0: Hi and welcome to Decoding AQ, helping you to learn the tools, mindsets and actions to thrive in an ever-changing world.: Hi, welcome to the next episode of Decoding AQ. Today with me, I have Oleg Konolov, who is joining us uh, today for a conversation that I've been looking forward to for a little while, uh, Oleg. <laughs> and welcome.
1: Ross? It's pleasure and honor. Thank you very much. Thank you For for people,
0: uh, Oleg has been described or named as the da Vinci of visionary leadership. And many legal authorities have named him this way. He's worked with a variety of organizations. He's a thought leader, author of a number of books. He's a speaker. In fact, his books include The Vision Code, Leaderology, Corporate Superpower, Organizational Anatomy, and Hidden Russia as well. So for 25 years, you've been inside experience, uh, you know, actually operational inside businesses, as well as now consulting for many of the largest organisations on the planet. So I am delighted to start our conversation off by how did somebody involved in the fishing industry (laughs) end up as the da
1: Vinci of visionary leadership? Well, Ross, think for a moment. It's not about having a chat about biography. It's not CV or something like that. Because our biography is not amount of facts, it's the amount of impressions that we have over, over our life. Because we tend to forget facts, you know. Would you remember what you've been doing like 10 years ago at a particular date? No. But you would remember your impressions and feelings, what you, you learned, what you failed, what you want to change actually in my practice as a coach as a consultant um, uh, one of the first questions i'm asking people when i'm helping them to create their vision i'm asking can you think about your deepest wildest aspirations that sit on the back of your mind and you're still thinking about that think three years ago two years ago one year ago and now it's nothing about facts it's about what we want to change and that is projected into the future. Again, another thing: if we look at biography as a statement, you know, uh, the first thing that is one of those famous HR questions: How comes you appeared into that position? It's more or less it's like why are you are good, and you just in position to defend yourself, to defend your ground. I'm good. At all well, take me, you know, just like you're in a rough position because you're defending your past. But there's nothing there. It's all about how I could create something. So the main question is how, because it's positive. It's about how I could do something different tomorrow or in the future. So it redefines every day. It redefines you tomorrow at every stage of your life. Therefore, the approach is different. It's just a matter to keep your eyes and ears open. You know, in our conversation before we discussed, one of the best traits of great leaders, yes, they're great learners. We all know this. But first of all, you can't learn without listening. And the best Top leaders I know across the globe, they're all brilliant listeners. They're catching the essence. It's painful and it's changed. Here, I could add value to people. Here it comes and they're creating beautiful solutions and they become better themselves. And what's important, they're delivering what people are really looking for. They're not just offering something they they don't need to, to have, you know,
0: I guess one of the challenges that people have when they're setting their vision is what kind of eyesight they have. You know, do they have eyesight that looks at their past, looks at their biography, looks at the pieces, and says, "Ah, this is a plot I've been. Therefore, these are the options open to me." Or are they able to let go and start afresh? It's a bit like we say to young young people, "The world's your oyster." Why don't we say the world's your oyster when you're fifty, when you're sixty, when you're seventy? Uh, to What's ahead of you? What vision could you create? And I'm interested if, throughout even just your career and your story, maybe some pivotal moments where what you envisaged, what your vision was that you set, and it maybe shifted or changed. Um, what were some of those things that influenced that, that opened you to a new direction from maybe a corporate ladder to then maybe a different direction
1: for you? That's actually a brilliant question, Ross. All people, great people that I know, they all have gone through the tough experiences. They're just not opening much. They're not talking much about this, but regardless where they've been born with a silver spoon in a mouth or not. Well, the road to success is not very smooth. <laughs> it's quite bulky, rough and with a lot of bumps. And I've been through that stage myself a few years ago. And I do remember sitting in Birmingham in a coffee shop in just like, mm, I had a tough time, really tough time. And uh, something struck me. And what is great in my problems or my goals? And I realized, okay, my goals, time's great. Because all the answers are in the future. Stop thinking about the past. You know, in a way, I always tell to my wife when she's not happy about me, I'm not ideal, I'm not perfect, but I'm cool. So whatever happens in the past is just cool, you know, but I will become stronger, better for tomorrow, and I will reach my goal. And that was quite a pivotal moment for me, because I define it's only me who decide what kind of future I will have, not anyone else, no circumstances, your goals. Whatever you do in organization or in your personal life must be much greater than problems. And that is very, very critical because in this sense, you're becoming a source of energy. You are focused on solution and you are focusing on bringing that into fruition or into real life. You're focused on successful execution of your vision and you becoming a source of inspiration. You inspire others and they inspire others in own terms or in own terms. And that makes a huge, huge impact on people. And that is very important because the way you describe, I love it because I brought uh, an explanation of such a leadership disease and mind lock. When we're flying across continents, we're facing, for instance, I'm flying from Birmingham to Korea. Huge jet lock, but I need few days for my biological clock to set up or to San Diego, this matter, across the globe. But when we are thinking about the future, about creating a, a phenomenal vision, we have a problem because most of our thoughts are still in the past, a little bit in the present, very little in the future. So we must close this gap toward that future and make our mindset completely prepared and sufficient for tomorrow goals, not for the yesterday goals. Because we are all perfect for today. We don't need to become stronger. We already overgrown over our ideal yesterday shape and I need to get my mind prepared to be sufficiently strong for tomorrow goals which are greater than my today aims.
0: It's fascinating. I had a couple of sayings going on in my head, Oleg, as you were uh, talking there about just this power of vision which is a future thought and that how important it is for that to be a positive one because the chances are you're likely to get there if you're strongly visioning it. It's, you know, when I'm used to go skiing or snowboarding, it's like, don't hit the tree, don't hit the tree, don't hit the tree. And my vision is on the tree and you, you go hit the tree, right? <laughs> you're the, the, yeah. the reality for us is, oh, I don't want to be in the past. I don't want to repeat that. I've got regret. I've got guilt. I've got these things and all of a sudden, oh, I'm, you know, lived 50 years, but it's just one year in repeat 50 times versus no. Am I, what am I looking at in my vision? What is the power that is positive? What is the goals that I want that are about development and growth? Now, if you're somebody who, you know, is perhaps in a situation where you, you mentioned we all have downtimes, the the road to success is bumpy. Hmm. If we're in one of those dips, or will we spot someone who's in one of those dips, what are the sorts of things that we can do to really give either the strong leadership for someone or leadership of ourselves out from that uh, dip. What is some of your areas there? Because I know this kind of concept of advanced leadership and how we deal with whether it's a disruption or it's a setback or it's a, I'm having a down day, month, or week. How can we get from that when maybe our vision seems so far away? What steps could we take, Oleg? <sighs>
1: Vision and illusion are very different. Our illusion is always distant. Vision, if it's clearly structured, is very pragmatic. And at every phase of achieving that vision, you could create a value and share benefits for all involved. So uh, think of any great companies. Elon Musk with his Tesla. He started with one model, then another model. So it's steps. And people could say, ah, it's growing. And more supporters, more followers, more fans, greater customer base, loyal customers, and so forth. When it's just illusion, it's always distant, never reachable. It's just like unnecessary gift. You don't need that. Or if we talk in a way of a personal life, if you sit with your spouse and you say, hey, we have troubles before, let's work together to make our family really happy. The next morning you will see that difference because you already will be smiling to each other, you know, instead of just like grumpy, no, my coffee is not ready, what's wrong? You know, you becoming a source of value on a way to your final vision or greater vision. So it's an ability to add value every time, and that will define very important, two very important aspects. First stimulus of your vision, because the core aim of uh, or role of leadership is act for people and with people, and for their needs. And a second, because you're creating value for people and with them. Vision comes when your conscious awareness of a problem that you want to solve for the benefit of others reaches its peak, like for your family, for your organization, for your society. And the second would be scaling. Scaling, it's not about bashing through the doors and we want to expand into a new market. We'll spend a ton of money on marketing because it's needed, you know, just like to engage everyone. No, when you do a great, when you are clear with what value you create at every day and you're adding value here and there, your vision, vision will grow. Many companies, brilliant companies, are hardly spending a lot of money on marketing and advertisement because their product is valuable. What they do is valuable and people think, could you come over to our market? Could you open a shop in our city? Or, you know, can you run such and such campaign at our, you know, society? That is immediately hits to core criteria of vision. Immediately, because it's a value. Vision is very pragmatic. But what's important to think, because I love the topic of your podcast, Ross, what I'm always saying, it's not about what kind of a vision you will create, it's about how your vision will impact you, because vision is a very interesting creature, I'm making my vision stronger and that vision makes me stronger in return and it pushes me to grow as a leader to be better with my mindset, to be stronger as a leader. Because if I would not grow, my vision would collapse. I must grow stronger. And therefore it's about not just be smarter. It's about growing to be wiser. And of course, better with those things. It's another impact. But if you don't see the value for people, if you don't create that, now it will
0: collapse. I like that concept to this idea of having this vision that we serve and by serving that, you know, how do we as leaders serve others in order for them to achieve their own vision and the vision of the team and the collective and actually the responsibility of how vision scales, not only from ourselves when they communicate it to somebody else who communicates it to another one that creates a team that becomes magnetic can then come along and shift industries so where we have, you know, these powerful words, vision is a very powerful word, and we, we use a certain vocabulary, sometimes interchangeably in speeches and things. You know, mm. we use the word dream. You know, I have a dream. Is it I have a vision? You know, we use ambition. What, what would you say is the, the difference and maybe the power of vision, and when you get that right, between, say, dreams or ambitions, Um, And and how can somebody harness this to make progress?
1: Ross, I will be tough and rough. A simple test. Very simple. Imagine a board of directors that drafted a nice mission statement or something like that, and they're pretending that this is a brilliant vision. A simple test. Can you leave it as a legacy? Because vision is the greatest legacy we could leave for the next generation for our kids or grandkids or to the next generation of employees in the company. And it will still will be touching and relevant. For instance, you mentioned the words of Martin Luther King Jr. Brilliant. And people we still remember and we continue with his vision. But do we, do we remember his goals? No. Because that's the his goals are relevant for him for a particular time. And it's nothing about it's not non-transferable, call it so. Your ambitious is purely yours. When I'm getting requests on LinkedIn, I want to become a millionaire. What's the value for people who will support you? It's purely yours. If I want to lose a couple of kilos of weight, that's purely my goal or my ambition, I want to be such and such, you know. Uh, I never saw anyone being absolutely happy or amazed about somebody else's plastic surgery. Somebody else's ambition to be, to have a longer or shorter nose, people don't care actually about this. When we talk about mission, it's just a statement or our promise to a society, but this is my statement or my promise or your promise. And it doesn't necessarily mean that the next generation will pick up that promise. No. A simple test. Can you leave it as a legacy? I like that and I'd love to um, test something out with you. Okay.
0: Uh, so we as a, as a company and what, what Mike and I when we founded the business one of the things that has resonated most has been our MTP and that's a massive transformative purpose. It was after I read the book by Salim Ismail called Exponential Organizations and that I think it came out maybe 2014 or 2016 or something. When I bought it, I was running a brand agency. I gave it to all the directors and we were like, ah, this is really up my street. How do we take you know, these inert things called exponential technologies and pl- apply them to something that's of value, some, some purpose? So I'm going to share our, our MTP with you that we have. And let's put it through that test of, is okay. that... Is that a legacy? You know, can it be a legacy and what may it be? And so for us, uh, we have to inspire and empower every human with the skills to adapt and thrive, ensuring no one is left behind in the fastest period of change in history. So that's, you know, our, why do we exist? We exist because we're in this period of, of, of historical proportion of accelerating change. What we see as one of the challenges in there is that many people are at risk of being left behind in whatever sense is relative to them. And therefore, our ability to unlearn, our ability to adapt, to be relevant, uh, whether that is in a job
1: that is coming back. First part was more of uh, your declaration of your cultural values. Okay. W- w- which are critical because values is how we see relationship with others and this is a verb of action therefore to inspire to help you know that those values are important but now you talk more about pragmatic vision because vision is a multi-dimensional space in the future mm. and it's very functional so you're giving people tools and means how they could make their uh, life better. Also, you are a solution provider for certain things, regardless of challenges they will face. For instance, you're saying, it's such a challenging war, I'll give you such tools, and that is a space where you, like a safe harbor, you will get it.
0: Who knows what those tools will be? There'll be one set of tools today, there'll be another set of tools tomorrow, but that doesn't matter because they're serving this bigger moving thing that actually maybe never will be done (laughs) you know it will continually expand uh, and be way beyond my generation in my view of how do we ensure that people can have a brighter tomorrow than they have today or than they had yesterday essentially is what being alive is I think living a um, you know purposeful life where we're leaving bridges not you know, uh, flames is a way in which we should uh, yeah, we'll, all conduct. Yeah,
1: so if We, we don't come, want to see a tortured land behind. No, but, no. You know, if but, we
0: come back to the, the sort of um, advanced leadership aspects of how we are leading ourselves to a vision that is a, a pragmatic version that is better, but also of others in our environmental context right now of where we've got massive challenges around a disengagement of workforces (laughs) uh, and that's showing up in a variety of ways Um, and a massive shift be that socially be it because of technology where we're getting every industry is being disrupted from pandemics to all sorts coming in at this moment and you I think um, shared a number of critical elements sort of half a dozen critical elements that we need to maybe focus on or think about if we're leaders. Could you share a couple of those with us, Eric?
1: I would say, first of all, every generation is facing different challenges. Yes, we are living in a time where the pace of change is so fast that humanity never faced before. Okay, and something will happen tomorrow, a day after, something new. All seems to me very uncertain. The only certain thing in a certain world you could see is your vision because it still remains certain for your future. And that, where pre, uh, people will get engaged when they see that certainty. Because if you're promising something murky, you're for yourself. People wouldn't be around you. I'll give you a simple example. And I, I love being in conversation with Gary Rich. He's a chairman and CEO of this famous company, WD-40. You know, this famous spray roll using, you know, to unlock rusty stuff and things like that. Every Formula One team uses it. 520 people, this is an entire team of WD-40 across the globe. 520 people only, including San Diego, Milton Keynes in the UK, so across the globe. Their capitalization now is about $3.5 billion. Their employee engagement rate is the highest in the world, 96%. Ninety-six percent, more or less, the entire team is a one huge tribe, and they know because I have a simple principle. We are here to create a lasting positive memories for people, and they're all united about this. They support each other in a great way because they know that they work for something greater than just this bloody kind of unjust stuff. And uh, when you are driven, uh, you know, modern leaders, cool. They're all good at problem solving. But problems as midges, They're all around us. Millions of them. You can't kill them all. You need to find solutions that...
0: It's like playing a whack-a-mole will game.
1: Be, as yeah. you rightly said, it would be a huge magnet for people. It would be not just sticky, but it would... Get people together, it would bound it. That will define a very critical element. You can't think of a vision without thinking of creating a vision for culture, because this is critical. If a vision is for people, think of a culture within your organization or even culture within your family that would make it executable, and this is, comes in a very interesting way. You're thinking of a great vision. You should achieve a superior goal, but you can't achieve superior goal without superior performance. And that superior performance comes from your great leadership of people who will be engaged, and therefore they will be performing in a greater way. I have some kind of a power pyramid for this and one of my works, and that is critical because having a vision where people don't see themselves, well, that's another illusion. You wouldn't see engagement because it's more or less, it will fall into another, that trap of your personal ambition. I want to be a leader of the greatest company in the world. Who cares? It's nothing for people. Mm. They don't see the value for themselves.
0: So do you see the most powerful visions as one that are reaching impact of other people in volume? Uh, Or can someone have a vision that is um, still very powerful, but the limits of how much you can attract, is there a correlation and link between then... The, the maybe depth or impact you have on others. So uh, is there some sort of magic correlation that, ah, if I, it, if I have a vision that is affecting this many people, it's going to be more magnetic. or If I have a vision that is just serving these people, it's not going to be as attractive, or does it not work that way?
1: You need to put a very interesting element into this, passion. You can have a brilliant idea in you creating it, but if you're not putting your heart, your emotions, your subconscious mind into it. So a great vision, and this is one of these six critical elements of it. A great vision is a great emotion itself. And if you're just having a great idea without that passion, you can't attract people. But if you're passionate, it goes virally. It impacts others, they become passionate, and they become multipliers of your passion. And they don't need to know at that stage exact things like drawings of where the bolts would be and what kind of a color that will be. They don't care because they're already passionate about the result of it. And they are transferring this passion further and further and further. And that's the way how you're building that base. Is
0: a, is a vision a whole body thing? When you have when you, seen other people, it shows up in all parts of their body. You know, does it, it shows up in shoulders, in, in hearts, never in seen. minds, in every part. So I, I guess maybe uh, yeah, coming so back well, to... We, w- we need to
1: consider that some people might be just quite, look, I'm an introvert. You know, and you know, uh, uh, even just speaking at different events, it doesn't necessarily mean that I'm super excited about this. It's just one of my roles. Yeah. But people could see that how you're devoted and they're sharing it. You probably saw many people who are really preserved but they're really passionate and you could feel that passion and you know why and you just
0: the, the passion can show up in so many ways
1: exactly.
0: you know it can show up in ways in silence it doesn't have to be the full on orchestra band playing to say yeah. i'm passionate yeah. you know it can be in absolute you know silence some of my own personal journeys of you know taking a walk with the dogs some of my most passionate moments you might not have even known looking from the outside but on the inside, things are firing, and it, it's an interesting one for me about observing, um, you know, visions and different people. And it's—I find it very contagious when yes. someone else shares their vision, whether it aligns. Whether it, you know, I get passionate about it, actually You've seeing them, those marks—it's you know. it, invigorating for me to see other people acting in their zone, in their space and gives me courage and confidence to lean into my own when i see others leaning into theirs and that's what makes a beautiful diverse world is that we can have lots of different visions and if our vision then is met with somebody that we've just met via zoom via wherever and it goes you know what? actually those visions there there are there's some commonalities here there's some bits where We might want to be a hero to the same people, but in different ways. Maybe there's collaboration opportunities. Maybe there's bits of the way in which we can then start to move away. So where does it change from a really tight focused WD-40, 520 people, 96% engagement, um, and others that are around and orbiting them Uh wanting to come into that? Because that would be attractive, right? That would be, I want to be part of that. How do they deal with those things when...
1: Let's look at it in a very practical way. The recipe is very simple. Make others the co-owners of your vision. Just say that
0: again slowly. Make others... Make
1: others the co-owners of your vision. Show them how and what kind of a result they will get for themselves. But how to do this? That's an interesting point about communicating your vision. Have you ever thought what's the difference between communicating vision and sharing vision? It's actually quite tough, but we communicate facts and we share emotions and stories. We communicate facts to get into the conscious mind and we share stories and emotions to get into unconscious mind. And when you interweave both, right, and people feel hey. That's interesting. Even challenging doesn't matter, and at the same time, I feel that story in which I want to be a main hero. I want to not just be like we are watching a, a, a great movie and we're saying, "I want to be that there. I want to. I want to have that sword uh, you know, and fight. You know, something like that. I want to be that hero." And if you're good at communicating your vision and get people on board and show clearly to them that they are not just spectators or passengers, but they're co-owners of that vision and they will get a result out of it for themselves, immediately, they will be with you.
0: I can see a lot of links here, Ello, between that and sales. You know, this opportunity of where you're building up a relationship building up trust to share something that has value to them in their future vision. So how could we sell to somebody if we don't know even their vision? Because we've got to know where they're trying to go to see whether what we do helps serve them along that journey. Is it something that this manifested from your experience in sales or um, is that just you tie the dots when you look backwards, not when you look forwards?
1: Comparing to sales you don't have much time. In sales, you have much more time. You could go, you know, you could carry on and on and on where if you exposing your vision, you must be really precise, really conscious. Your message should be very short and clear for all people. And it should be, should be so simple that every kid could understand it. And, uh, you know, in sales, many people are loading it with a lot of technical information or something. With that. they're trying to sweeten it. Yeah, you think it's a rough, clear way. And yeah, to some extent, you are selling it, but uh, you are selling it. Um, you're exchanging value for value. Interesting.
0: So a co-elevation. It's one of my. Um, I have these. Uh, bands on my wrist. I'm not sure if you've come across them before. They're called My Intent, okay. and the creator of them made this observation that we're so organized around time. You know, oh, what time is this? Oh, we've got time management. What's going on? And we have a watch, and we've always gone, Ah, oh, what time is it? What time is it? Yet we don't go. What am I doing with that time? Where's my reminder of what I'm doing with it? You know, how do I want to spend it? What do I want more of? What do I want less of? And so he created these little things called My Intent. And uh, they were, you know, some really interesting ways to stimulate your thought as little reminders that stay there all the time. And the first one I got was linked to my own um, sort of vision and purpose. And it's Unite Humanity is what I had on my first one. And I had it for many years. And I, in the beginning, that vision of uniting humanity and all of those things was motivating and exciting. And then at one point, I, like I felt it was a burden, or it was overwhelming, or it was limiting. Um, and other points, it was, you know, incredibly expansive. And I, I ummed and anard about oh, do I want to shift it? What am I now? And my wife just said to me, well, why don't you just put another one with it? And the, the one I put with it uh, afterwards was co-elevate. And it's a, a word and phrase I got from uh, Keith Ferrazzi. Um, yes. He's another, uh, you know, great. I, I know,
1: Keith.
0: Yeah. Um, and I spent a bit of time with him and it was really interesting, just that concept. You know, we've heard a oh, win-win, all these sort of things, but co-elevate really um, made... a a profound effect for me and that might be for me ah i'm constantly just reminding and thinking okay where's the co-elevation here what how can i ensure that this is about value and value and is this going to help unite people or is it going to help people to diverge and uh, so that was just something interesting about How do we shape not only our vision, but these cues, these reminders that keep us on track when we're either in a dip or a one on a mountain to either say we're still humble, we still take out the trash, or we're at the bottom, we're still capable. I'd love it if you could you share maybe some of your maybe a reflection on that, but then also what's your vision, your own personal vision? (laughs) (laughs) So there's two pieces there. Okay. Okay.
1: My purpose. I will start with a purpose. I'm an explorer. I'm exploring new fields in leadership, which never been explored before. For instance, when I came with that book, The Vision Code, it was actually for the first time in humanity, I cracked the code, how to create a vision as algorithm and how to look at it, how to execute it. So I do a lot of research. I do a lot of field tests before I would share it with publicly through the books or my practice. One of the critical elements for me is find solutions, grant solutions for grant problems that would allow an ultimate leap, not just improvement. My vision is create a practical space let's call it for a million leaders across the globe who will become true visionary leaders because vision is not a gift. It's a way of thinking which can be taught, trained, if leaders prepare to think beyond themselves, but it will change the world in a very, very different way. Our vision defines our evolution. Goals. Who? working with my colleague and friend john spence we are working on the next book already now we're exploring it even further therefore it's goals my mission not to harm a society to bring only the value <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and be a good father a good husband you know a big good human for people and i believe that would be fairly critical otherwise It's all speculation will be just like, I want to, you know, just like, no, no, no. What's the value for people? Yeah.
0: And do you have multiple visions? Can people have multiple visions? Or would you say you have one ultimate vision, a bit like goal hierarchy? You have a big one and all others should serve towards that. Is that how vision
1: works? There are different cases. For instance, uh, I have my own great vision, which I'm working on and I'm aiming to, to achieve it. At the same time as I'm helping uh, executives and people to create their vision, I must be very good at multiple visions, right? Uh, you, in good sense, you can't have, for instance, two visions for a company because they will cannibalize each other and you want a focus. Vision demands a clear focus you know uh, but bear in mind focus is a tool it's not your goal and you can't use the same tool for two visions no chance it's like i have specs for me and no one could use them at the same time no one else right and therefore you better stay aligned with one vision. If you're working as a consultant, if you're working as a coach, you, must, you better be good with helping people with multiple visions, but you still must have one. Can you have multiple visions for one family? Hmm. But you must be good at helping your kids to develop their visions. That's what would be different.
0: Mm. It's interesting, isn't it? As we unpack these things and these words and these language and having a lexicon for your organization and knowing, ah, we have this, that's what we're aiming for. And then we can have multiple goals and then we have multiple projects and then all of these things that create engagement. If I'm connected to the ultimate, whatever's placed in front of me, I'm going to do my best to go through that, whether I like, you know, it, it really resonates or not, if I'm committed enough. To that vision and it brings me to the sort of final couple of uh, pieces so when when we set a vision there'll be things that we need to protect things that need to remain the same and then there'll be other things that we need to change that we need to evolve we might need to evolve our way of thinking our beliefs we might need to something comes in as an environmental shift that then says ah in order to get that vision you might need to change this because of governance or compliance or various rules of industries shift and change. In your experience, what has been the the greatest way that individuals um, can overcome those things, you know, the types of adaptions they need to make? Is it, uh, it's still on vision, Ross. It's on vision. If you get the vision, right, anyone can adapt, can morph, can move around under there or, does a vision adapt related to the environment and circumstances? So I'm interested in that sort of paradox of you, set the vision, you, you everything could, else moves, or in,
1: does it In work a out? greater sense, when you have a vision, you are, you are writing a new rules, right? Uh, on top of whatever we... We have a lot of online schools today, mm-hmm. right? And actually, we rewrote in one way or another, we wrote rules of classical education.
0: They're being redefined, being totally disrupted exactly. and transformed. Yep.
1: Uh, to find a great solution. David Katz, he is a founder and he runs a phenomenal company in Vancouver, Canada, Plastic Bank. He looked at the plastic waste in the ocean as a currency. So people that lives across Coasts of different oceans collecting this plastic, and he pays them in electronic money for everything for shelter, for housing, for food, for medical service, for Wi Fi, for education. <clears throat> but the way he looked at it was very different. He looked at this currency because initially he found that it's about nine trillion dollars of plastic waste are floating at the moment in the ocean, and it was. Was it more important that different rules? Of course. And there are few things that have been changed in, you know, in local rules yep. and laws, and now it's successful. Yet you need to find. Yeah, maybe some, go to rigid, rusty society. You might find a way around it. But that's the beauty of your vision because you could see a solution beyond those problems. Mm.
0: it really is a gift for you know creativity um, when we have that clarity and when we have it in a simple and profound way and then it opens up our curiosity to consider how how might we when we have that clear vision you know a great piece out of Procter and gamble from the 70s that great framing question of how might we give such a opportunity for innovation and creativity and i'd love to end because i can't believe we're at the top of the hour already is one piece that i ask each of the guests at the end and it is linked to curiosity it's linked to change it's linked to adaptability and the the question is when was the last time you did something for the first time and what was it
1: I have learned a very simple thing for myself over the years every new project I'm starting I must look at it as a child that knows nothing about and uh, I must learn very quickly within a month or two everything about it therefore for instance if As I mentioned, we are working on a new book with uh, my colleague John Spence. It's about how to think vision strategy in people. It's about mindset and how to develop it and things like that. How much do I know about this? Well, I could say I know a lot, but if you want to write a great book, if you really want to explore something, you better think that you know nothing. That is a very simple approach. Every new client is always unique. Can I say that I know everything about him? Even, even I could call it assume a lot, but this is just only my opinion. And therefore, we started this conversation with a very critical element of leadership, listening. That's critical to start every time with listening from anew.
0: I like that idea and that response, Olegov. Beginning everything has a beginner's mind. Yes. With the true openness to listen, to whether that is something we've heard before or not heard before, if we come in without any judgment we'll evaluate it in that moment in time. And I think that's a beautiful opportunity for people when they're facing anything is begin with that beginner's mind and play, be playful in it. You know, we often think work equals serious um, and some of these challenges, are oh, they're big things, we get stressed, we, get, we can care about it, doesn't mean to say we can't be playful and we can be beginners when we come in. And I think that's a, something that I'm going to take away of a, a thought from, from today, along with many others. It's been a real joy to listen and experience your thinking. Um, it, it's going to take me a while to just let that land, let that sink in, and I'm profoundly grateful. So thank you very much.
1: Ross, thank you. Not me. Thank you for this conversation. I'm always at your service. Thank you very much. Thank you.
0: Do you have the level of adaptability to survive and thrive the rapid changes ahead? Has your resilience got more comeback than a yo-yo? Do you have the ability to unlearn in order to reskill, upskill and break through? Find out today and uncover your adaptability profile and score, your AQ. Visit aqai.io to gain your personalised report across 15 scientifically validated dimensions of adaptability. For a limited time, enter code PODCAST65 for a complimentary AQME assessment. AQAI, transforming the way people, teams and organisations navigate change. Thank you for listening to this episode of Decoding AQ. Please make sure you subscribe on your favourite podcast directory and we'd love to hear your feedback. Please do leave a review and be sure to tune in next time for more insights from our amazing guests.